This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're digging into the kind of totally depressing history of cinnamon. I thought you were going to make a spicy pun. Oh, no. No, that's okay. That's good. Uh, Cinnamon is one of my favorite spices. I love it. I put it in coffee. I put it in all kinds of things that probably shouldn't go in. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. There's nothing that it shouldn't, shouldn't go in. Yeah, but there are things that definitely I get a side eye when I put cinnamon in there. It matches with with both sweet and savory flavors. Come on. It's true. And I feel in the States, a lot of people kind of pin it into the fall, but it's all year round you can use cinnamon. It's for sure multi-seasonal. I'm glad you agree. (laughs) So the word itself has a lot of fun meanings and translations from the Italian canella, meaning little tube, or there's wood from China in India and Iran. And the Indonesian word means sweet wood. In the Victorian language of flowers, which I had to look up because I had no idea what that was. Oh, really? Oh, it's great. I know. It's fantastic. How have I gone so long? Victorians, y'all, they they had an entire language of flowers. Yes. And As in, the name might have led you to believe. <laughs> it might have. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in this language, cinnamon translates to, my fortune is yours. Oh, wow. Yeah, that sounds lovely, doesn't it's it? It's very fitting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in the United States, you're likely to encounter two types of cinnamon in the grocery store, uh, cassia and Ceylon. Cassia is kind of the stronger in flavor and aroma and mostly originates from Indonesia, China, and Vietnam. It's also generally cheaper. Um, Ceylon cinnamon, meanwhile, is from uh, Sri Lanka and southern India and has more like mild sweetness to it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and in the UK and Europe, cassia is labeled as cassia, but both can be labeled cinnamon in the US. Mm-hmm. Huh. Both, however, are the soft inner bark of a type of evergreen shrub in the cinnamomum genus. That sounds like you're summoning a demon. Cinnamomum! <laughs> See? Oh yeah, no, you're, you're not wrong. Ceylon is from a C. zelanicum, um, often also called C. verum, which means true cinnamon. Uh, cassia, however, can come from a number of species. Um, the flower and leaves are also edible. In addition to the bark, uh, cassia leaves in particular are a classic ingredient in Indian cooking, and cinnamon oil can be processed from the leaves of both type of plant. Uh, the main flavors in cinnamon come from a few oils, uh, cinnamaldehyde, which is just a great name for anything. It is. Eugenol and also camphor, which I had no idea was an ingredient in cinnamon. No, me um, Or ingredient, like component. Yeah. It's not like sometimes yeah. when you're mixing up your cinnamon plant then. Anyway, uh, left to grow wild, cinnamon will grow up to a height of 30 to 50 feet, mm-hmm. a.k.a. like 10 to 15 meters. Um, but when it's cultivated, it's usually kept to like a human height of, of shrub. That is much larger than I would have guessed. I know, right? I'm not really great at guessing things, though. Yeah. I Also, I've never hung out around a cinnamon plant, so. No, no. that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, cinnamon is still largely harvested and processed by hand using methods that have been passed down through farming families for centuries. Um, the, the exact tools and process will vary based on the type of plant that you're dealing with. But but basically, um, a, a shoot from the shrub is cut down, or if the shrub's trunk is larger, then a section of bark will be cut off. Um, and then the tough outer bark is scraped off. Um, and in the case of smaller shoots, the, the soft, moist inner bark then has to be painstakingly rubbed free from the stalk so that it can be peeled away in these long pieces that will make, a, you know, high-quality, attractive quills which is one of the fabulous names for cinnamon sticks. Yes. I, I'm going to say cinnamon quills for the rest of my life. It's the best. The bark curls up as it dries, and the cinnamon can then be processed into sticks or powder or what have you. Mm-hmm. However you consume your cinnamon. Mm-hmm. The cool part here is that if you've got a lot of cinnamon plants, you can harvest just about continually as they come into maturity. Um, you can also just let them go and harvest whenever it's convenient. There are some families in Sumatra that use cinnamon as, as an income supplement when, you know, just whenever they need to. The, the uncool part here is that it is really hard, really skilled labor. And traditionally, the people selling the cinnamon have made a lot more money than the people actually harvesting and processing it. Mm. That is starting to change, um, though, through the work of human rights organizations and farmer co-ops um, and the farmer's own work and increasing a societal ability to make demands upon the industry. And and by technology, there are mechanic, me- mechanized processes that are in just continual development these days. So good news all around there. But for all those parts that have not changed, um, let's let's get into the history of cinnamon and how it has been used and, and, and farmed for, for millennia back. But first, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. 
And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer-founded, queer-run, and creating size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies, so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes. So, though it was almost certainly used before this, Cinnamon first appeared in written records out of China going all the way back to 2800 BCE. Oof. Yeah, and I believe it was a medical botanist guide. All right. Yeah. Um, in 216 BCE, the town of Quailin, meaning Cassia Forest, was founded in South China, suggesting that spice was integral in the region. Cassia cinnamon. Probably. Um, according to the book History of Food, ancient Taoists considered cinnamon a food of the immortals. Um, there are legends saying that the rabbit in the moon, because instead of the man in the moon, they've got the rabbit in the moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, the legend said the rabbit in the moon would use a giant cassia tree to climb down to earth and then would eat the tree's bark and prepare an elixir from it that that had like magical strength powers. That's a great story. Yeah. Um, and pe- people would uh, would carry around little bits of cinnamon in, in pouches to kind of ward off disease and other negative vibes. Um, later on, cinnamon would become an integral part of five spice powder, which generally contains way more than five spices. The five is kind of metaphorical and or poetic and might mean something closer to like many or complete oh. rather than literal five. Extra bonus fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As we go through this show, I'm just going to eventually have – I'm going to carry a pineapple. I'm going to have a bag of cinnamon. I'm just going <laughs> to start integrating all these strange food <laughs> habits and you traditions. Could, you could at the very least have a really good Halloween costume. That's true. That is such a good idea. Thank you, Lauren. I am food stuff. Yes. You don't know food stuff? Well, I have a story to tell you and a podcast to direct you to. <laughs> Marketing opportunity. Okay. Yeah. So 
<laughs> Back to cinnamon history. The ancient Egyptians used cinnamon along with other things like myrrh as um, a perfume during embalming. Cinnamon makes a cameo or two in the Bible. Moses uses it as an anointing oil, and the Hebrews also used it in religious ceremonies. Mm-hmm. Cinnamon enjoyed such high prestige, it was seen as an appropriate gift for monarchs, and records show that it, along with Cassia, was given as a gift at the Temple of Apollo in Miletus. Miletus. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Traders from the Middle East brought cinnamon to Europe, where it was used both medicinally and to add a little something, something, to food. Huh. Yeah, the Roman Empire in particular imported a lot of it, but more for fragrances and to spice up wine. Yeah, they didn't really like it in their food. Yeah. Learning a lot about the Romans. Mm-hmm. It had the additional use of covering the smell of funeral pyres. And there's a popular story that Roman Emperor Nero ordered a year's supply of cinnamon to burn on his second wife's funeral pyre to atone for his guilt in 65 CE. Because he had accidentally killed her. Yes. Kind of accidentally on purpose. Yes. Oops. Yeah. There's still some, some, well, we're, we're gonna move on. <laughs> It was pretty expensive at the time, too, so he must have had gold pouches worth of guilt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Our old friend Pliny the Elder wrote in 1st century CE that 350 grams of cinnamon equaled 5 kilograms of silver, or in other words, 15 times the worth of silver by weight. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Cinnamon had other uses that justified kind of this price. Um, it was prescribed throughout the Middle Ages to treat hoarseness, coughing, sore throat, and indigestion. And it could be used as a preservative. Yeah. So that, it's got a little bit of uh, antimicrobial m- properties in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, some Romans also apparently considered it an aphrodisiac. Although really at this point, I'm not sure what they didn't consider an aphrodisiac. It's true. Probably nothing. So many things about Romans. Um, and of course, cinnamon was part of the Silk Road trade that, you know, largely overland trade routes from China through India and the Middle East and up to ports of call along the Mediterranean. It's unclear how much of this cinnamon was the cassia type and how much was Ceylon. But hey, speaking of Ceylon cinnamon, while all of this was going on, the people on the island of Ceylon, which is uh, present-day Sri Lanka, were developing the production techniques that would drive the cinnamon trade for hundreds of years. The uh, Sinhalese and the Tamal people there operated in a feudal caste culture. And the folks who wound up uh, primarily working in tending and peeling the cinnamon were a caste called the Salagama. And I'm, I'm so sorry if I, if I, if I mispronounced that. I, I really just tried. Uh, the, the, the Salagama caste were relatively recent immigrants to the island and they didn't have much political clout despite the importance of the work that they were doing. So they would pass their skills down from generation to generation and pass their profits up to the royal families who were running the island's kingdoms. Mm. And, at the time, and all the way up to the 16th century, Europeans weren't precisely sure of cinnamon's origins. They didn't know where it was coming from. Yeah, yeah. This was by design of the Arabic and North African merchants who wanted to maintain a... A cinnamonopoly? Uh, yeah, and, and there were a lot of stories about where cinnamon originated, where it came from, and how people got it. Yeah, and a lot of these are pretty great. Yeah. Greek historian Herodotus... Um, wrote a couple of legends about about it in the 5th century BCE. One, that huge birds gathered cinnamon sticks and stored them on enormous, unclimbable mountains. What? But 
tricksy humans would leave big old chunks of ox meat at the base of the mountain. And when the bird came down to collect it, the extra weight of the meat caused some of the nest to break, leaving the cinnamon sticks ripe for the picking. Up, that is. <laughs> he also wrote that it might, that cinnamon might be found near a lake that was protected by these screeching bat creatures, which gatherers could only protect themselves from by wearing full suits of tough hides with holes cut only for their eyes. Whoa. Another story suggests that to get your hands on some cinnamon, you had to brave deep snake-guarded canyons. In some legends, the snakes could fly. My goodness, getting cinnamon was a dangerous business. Going back to Pliny again, he wrote that he believed cinnamon came from Ethiopia, and the only way to get it was via sailless, oarless rafts fueled by, quote, man alone and his courage. I'm not sure. Sailless, oarless rafts. Interesting. I Yeah, I don't think that... Why man would you want that? Man and his courage are really great sources of fuel, necessarily, for movement anyway. Yeah. Pliny, I don't know about that one. All right. Pliny, we're dubious, friend. Yeah, we've got our doubts. Another written story from 1248 CE asserts that Sibin was fished out of the Nile source at World's Edge with nets. So there were a, a wide variety of stories. No one knew, for, in Europe anyway, where this stuff was coming from, but they loved it. They yeah. loved it. Oh, yeah. Um, twelve seventy CE marks the first time cinnamon growing in Sri Lanka shows up in European writing. The rise of the Ottoman Empire and other shifting powers in the Mediterranean prompted the Europeans to expand their trade routes into Asia and North America. And Marco Polo definitely talked all about where the relatively inexpensive cassia cinnamon comes from, but he... He definitely omitted information about Ceylon cinnamon, which at the time was not called Ceylon cinnamon because it would have been a pretty dead giveaway. Right. Um, but during the 12 and 1300s, Venetians created something of a monopoly on the cinnamon trade. They employed these networks of Arab agents to bring the stuff overland from India to Alexandria in, in Egypt, where the Venetians would sail to pick it up along these highly secured trade routes that they had blocked out. And they were able to run up the price as much as they wanted because it was so popular in medieval cooking and because no one else could get their hands on it. Um, it, it appears in about two-thirds of French recipes from that time. That's that's quite a bit, mm-hmm. quite a bit of the recipes there. And note that this was primarily for the wealthy. I mean, when we say that people loved it, wealthy people loved it. Yeah. Um, spices in general were used as a status symbol. At banquets, uh, hosts would sometimes show off by offering a plate piled high with various spices to their guests. Wow, that person must be rich. Yes. <laughs> Make, it makes you think, like, what would they think of a spice cabinet? Oh, man, that'd blow their minds. Mm-hmm. I feel like everything we talk about on here, it was once a, a status symbol. <laughs> yeah. In a letter written by Columbus, Columbus again, to <laughs> Queen Isabella, he claimed that he had discovered cinnamon in the New World, but the samples he sent turned out not to be the real thing. I wonder what he was sending. Spanish explorer Gonzalo Pizarro traveled the Amazon in search of what he called cinnamon country. Hmm. Meanwhile, the Portuguese wanted in on this trade, too. Uh, after forging a water route to India by going south around Africa, around the uh, Cape of uh, Good Hope, uh, the Portuguese would found cinnamon in Ceylon in, uh, in, in or about 1518. Mm-hmm. And so, of course. Of course. They took over the island kingdom of Kot, 
probably not saying that correctly, but I tried, enslaved the population and ruled over the cinnamon trade for about 100 years. And it was pretty atrocious. Yeah. Uh, not only on the island itself, which was terrible enough because they really were, were disrupting it, you know, enslavement is a, certainly a different thing from, from a feudal caste system. Uh, they also, uh, would destroy populations along the coast of nearby, nearby Mozambique and settle there in order to keep guard over their routes back and forth from Ceylon. And, you know, just, just like sink and rival ships on site, like hanging any agents from other countries that they found or, or kingdoms floated, floating around. It's nasty stuff. Yeah. Candy. Another kingdom of Ceylon teamed up with the Dutch to chase the Portuguese out of Ceylon in 1638. But now the Dutch took control of Ceylon as a payment for their military aid, a position they held for 150 years. One Dutch captain wrote, quote, The shores of the island are full of it, and it is the best in all the Orient, it being cinnamon. When one is downwind of the island, one can smell cinnamon eight leagues out to sea. Oh. Yeah. A jury is out on whether or not the Dutch were really that much better than the Portuguese no. in terms of their treatment. No, I don't think they were. During their reign over the cinnamon trade, cinnamon rose up to become the most profitable spice in the Dutch East India Company. When word reached the Dutch that some cinnamon had been discovered off India's coast, they threatened and paid off a local king in India to destroy it. Ooh. Yeah. It was during this time that the demand for cinnamon grew so high that the Dutch had to figure out how to cultivate it instead of collecting bark from wild trees. But once they did, or rather like eight to ten years afterward, because that's about how long it takes for the shrubs to mature, uh, there was such a glut of cinnamon that they were afraid that the market would collapse. They allegedly burned large quantities of cinnamon in Holland in 1760 just to keep the prices up. Yeesh, man. Meanwhile, the British wanted in, too. Uh-huh. Lord Brown of the British East India Company founded the largest cinnamon estate whew, in Asia in 1767 on the southwest coast of India. It's a bit of a tongue twister in there. Only a few years later, in 1785, the British seized control of Ceylon after their victory of the Anglo-Dutch War. And this was a huge boon to the dipping economy of the British Empire, having lost the lucrative American colonies. However, over the next hundred years, the price of cinnamon would fall really considerably as other places around the world started to cultivate it. And its popularity would wane a little bit as things like a chocolate started to come into vogue. Yes. Not that the two of those are bad together or anything. I know. And I also read like coffee and tea helped lower the price of cinnamon. And I was like, I put cinnamon in those things. <laughs> um. Uh, Sri Lanka would finally gain independence from the British in 1948, Whoa. by the way. Wow. And that brings us more or less to, uh, to now. You know, cinnamon is pretty common. Mm -hmm. Especially in the fall, like we said, and the price is fairly stable. Uh, it's a global industry of about 35,000 tons per year. That is quite the global industry. Mm-hmm. And here is where uh, I could have written a transition sometime over the past couple days that I've been working on these notes, but instead I didn't do that. So, you know, let's just take a quick break for another word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. 
salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Yes. Uh, so, um, so I want to talk a little bit about the that that concludes our history portion. Yes, yes. It and does. I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the uh, some of the science and culture around cinnamon, because as if all of that was not fascinating enough, you know, it, it, being that it has been used as a medicine for so long, a lot of people have looked into those actual properties. There have been a lot of studies specifically into the uh, potential of cinnamon supplements to help uh, with with blood glucose levels. Hmm. I'm not sure where and when that idea got got passed, but yeah. um, but but as it turns out, um, in some studies, uh, taking cinnamon supplements have helped patients uh, with type two diabetes lower their fasting plasma glucose levels, which of course can help them control the effects of the disease. Um, and they also improved a few measures of cardiovascular health. You know, they, they reduced the, the bad, uh, LDL cholesterol and improved the, the good HDL, uh, or lipoproteins, not cholesterol technically, but yeah, and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. however, in other studies, those effects weren't so certain. Um, I guess it's something to watch for more research about in the future. Yeah. 
Um, it's also been studied for its potential antimicrobial properties, as I mentioned earlier, but the practical results of that are pretty inconclusive as of yet. Basically, uh, adding cinnamon to food might help prevent the growth of pathogenic bacteria, and researchers might eventually be able to use uh, some of the stuff in it, in cinnamon, to, to help uh, replace traditional antibiotics which, of course, would be great. That would be great. Because antibiotic resistance, as I believe we have mentioned before several times, is not the business. It is not good, and it is on the rise. It is. Uh, cinnamon oil is reported to be an effective mosquito ant and moth repellent. <laughs> but I couldn't really find any actual science to back that up. So, I don't know. If, you, if you're interested in that, then then go go check it out. Maybe try it. I mean, at the very worst, you're going to smell like cinnamon oil. Yeah. This is definitely something that I would try to test, but I I don't know how I would. Oh, there's a lot of things I can't control when it comes to the insects. They're not going to play ball, I don't think. Yeah, but I okay, might, I might give it a whirl. If we if we ever run across a tank of mosquitoes, then yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. I'll keep some cinnamon oil prepared. On the flip side, um, in large enough quantities, exposure to cinnamon is not great for you. It's oils or irritants. Um, mm-hmm. so, so any time that you're using it in like a beauty product, just, just use a, use a small test, um, before you maybe spread it all, all the heck over your skin. And certainly, um, workers in the cinnamon industry have, uh, been shown to experience system, symptoms like asthma and uh, skin and eye irritation, hair loss and weight loss. Those last two things, they're not even sure how they work. They're, yeah. they're like, they're like, is, is, are the oils causing breakage? Are they causing prevention of, of hair to, to grow in the first place? Weird times. Anyway, um, uh, and the, the weight loss too is even for folks who aren't doing the manual part of the labor, uh, who are just working around the dust. They think it's something, something's going on there. Not sure what. Um, cinnamon also does contain a chemical called cumarin, which can cause liver toxicity in large enough amounts, but I'm talking like silly large amounts. Like even the amount that Annie uses is nowhere near enough to cause liver toxicity. And imagine like a bathtub full of cinnamon. Something like that. Like like maybe like back off on like heavy use of cinnamon supplements unless you're doing mm. so under the direction of a medical professional. Yeah. Yeah. I always had this idea that I uh, knew was unscientific and incorrect in the back of my mind that the reason cinnamon helped purportedly helped you lose weight uh-huh. and speed up your metabolism um, was because it it's uh, it kind of not burns but it's got like that bite yeah uh-huh. and it was just like revving things up I truly believed this for a little while and, and that was actually sort of the basis I didn't write down notes on this but that was sort of the basis of um, the concept in European culture of spices like cinnamon that have that warming effect being good to eat in the winter as mm. like a like a balance of the humors kind of concept. Um, and I, and I totally want to go into that in a future episode when I have more time to, to read up on it. But, um, because it's sort of, it's sort of counterintuitive to the way that a lot of tropical, um, right, yeah, cultures use spicy food uh, during the summer as a way to kind of stimulate sweat production and cool you off. Right. But there's, antimicrobial things involved in both of those, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, so that's interesting. Maybe. Maybe. All right, that concludes the science slash health portion. So mm-hmm. let's talk about some cultural cinnamon things. Yeah. Cinnamon, as you may have noticed, is riding the train of that of that pumpkin pie spice 
M- monolith? Oh, that's a terribly mixed metaphor. Um, that, <laughs> I appreciated it. Oh, okay. Um, and, and so cinnamon, cinnamon has really jumped in popularity over, certainly over the past couple of years, but, but it's also just great. Yeah. That's such a lovely aroma. Oh, okay. Popular cinnamon things are, um, cinnamon toast, which is, that was when I was a kid. That's what I had for breakfast pretty often. Yeah. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, which is one of my favorite cereals. Also had it very often. Um, and this is apparently the most popular cereal in half of the United States, over half of the United States. Okay. It's called Croque Canelle in France, Curiously Cinnamon in the <laughs> UK and Ireland, and Cine Minis in Poland. Huh. So you can get it out of the US. Yeah. Um, there's Cinnabun, cinnamon rolls in general, and here we have a place called Cineholic. Snickerdoodles. Oh, it's one of my favorite cookies. Oh, they're so good. Yeah. Um, and apparently there's cinnamon in Coca-Cola. Huh. It kept, I, like I found myself somehow on the Coca-Cola website when I was like, cinnamon things. Like, How did I end up here? <laughs> I guess it's in there. Um, and they, they, a lot of cultures outside of the U.S. use it in savory dishes, way more than we do anyway. Yeah. Um, like it's popular in Indian curries or in tagine or chili. Sure. Yeah. Um, oh, 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 and cinnamon whiskey. Yes. Although Fireball had been around for a couple decades, it leapt to this sudden and, and much contested prominence in like 2012 to 2013. Uh, it reached about 2% of the overall dollar share of spirits in the United States. And what that means is that 2% of all the money in the country being spent on booze was going to sales of Fireball. That's crazy. I know. I mean, you know, it was, it was a big time for flavored whiskeys in general, okay. but like, but like, dang, y'all. Wow. Huh. Uh, I also wanted to talk about the cinnamon challenge. <laughs> oh boy. Which, uh, which is a dare of sorts. Um, if you haven't heard of it, you're supposed to swallow a spoonful of cinnamon in less than a minute without the aid of any water or other, other helpful liquids. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds simple, but in case you've never actually seen it happen, trust me, it's not. Um, it, the dare has been around for at least a decade, but it went viral again in like 2012. Thanks, YouTube. Um, a search on YouTube, by the way, pulls up 1.6 billion videos on the subject. Um, the reason that it's so difficult is that because cinnamon is ground tree bark, it contains a lot of stiff cellulose that, that resists saturation with water. Um, and therefore also like spit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, you can see this in action if you, uh, sprinkle cinnamon over coffee, cause it just kind of sits there until you physically mix it in. Um, or if you put a drop of water on a little bit of cinnamon that you've got like in a spoon or on a dish, um, it, it'll, the water will beat up instead of sinking in. Your saliva, similarly, um, cannot mix in to a spoonful of cinnamon, um, which means that you cannot swallow it, which means that you'll choke on it and like spit out a cloud of cinnamon and probably continue choking for a while. Right. And, like, look, like, the dare is, like, a little bit mostly harmless, mm-hmm. but it, it can have some serious consequences. If, if you accidentally breathe cinnamon in, that cellulose that I mentioned will just sit in your lungs, like, not breaking down, but instead slow-releasing that cinnamaldehyde that is an irritant that can cause chronic inflammation and eventually scarring in your lungs, oh. which is like having emphysema. 
you don't want it. No. Uh, a few teens actually choked hard enough that they collapsed a lung, and at least one actually choked to death. Oof. So if you're looking for a gross food challenge, I'd recommend maybe chugging a gallon of milk instead, which will probably just make you throw up a lot. Yeah. Actually, don't do that either. No. No, don't do either of those things. And and thus concludes Lauren's Killjoy Corner. Oh, yay. Joy killed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad I wasn't um, I wasn't a kid during these things because this is a, a dumb thing I would have done. <laughs> oh yeah, oh. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think I would have. I wasn't much into dares. I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to give away too much. Don't send me any dares, people. Oh no. Yeah. Oh. Oh, that's that sounds like a dare in a, in and of no, itself. No. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I need Annie. Don't don't hurt her. <laughs> um. There is also, of course, an episode, of course, of, of, course. A, of, a, of Deadwood, um, the show, the HBO show Deadwood, called Unauthorized Cinnamon. Oh, I love that title. I know, right? I, I wish st- we could steal it for this episode. But. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no. I guess I, I guess Deadwood gets to keep that one. All right. Um, but yeah, that's about that's about what we have to say about that. Yeah. This one was a. Um, it, like the history was so spread out, there was no like one place. Yeah, look all over. It was a doozy of of collection of materials. Um, but speaking of a collection of materials, uh, it's time now for some listener mail. Yay! Yeah. All right. So Olivia sent us this anecdote and suggestion. This summer, we, which was her family, went on a cruise around the Mediterranean Sea, where we experienced all sorts of cuisine. One day we went to Mykonos, where we were given a sweet-tasting Greek dessert submerged in water. We had no idea what it was, and when we went back home to D.C., I frantically searched the Internet for what the mystery food was. I suddenly came across the sugary dessert's name, which was Vanilla Submarine, or... What? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Or Greek Spoon Sweet. I tried to make it, but unfortunately it came out nothing like what I had in Mykonos. We found Greek Spoon Sweet online and ordered it. I hope you found this interesting and we'll look into it for a future episode. Yes, we did. I've never heard of that. Yeah. I'm very intrigued. <sighs> a spoon underwater? I like I can't even uh, oh well. Yes. We'll we'll have to we, we need a we need a food budget. We need a budget we for really ordering do. these kind of things. We really do. All right. Who can we talk to about that? Hey boss. <laughs> we know you're listening. Um, also, Claire wrote in with this note about butter. You mentioned that butter takes a long time and effort to make. It is true. However, as a former preschool teacher and a current mother, I've learned how to use this to your advantage. If it's a rainy day and the kids are getting squirrely, making butter is a great activity. Kids get so excited about food they can make themselves. And there's the added benefit of keeping their hands busy for about 15 minutes. And then they get to learn a little bit more about the food they eat as well. Just a tip for anyone who is trying to keep active minds and hands busy. I would love doing that as a kid. Oh, yeah. We got a lot of um, teachers or people who have to interact with kids right in with this one. I wish I had done it, but that's cool. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm disappointed that as a tiny child, like, I, I could I could have put all that endless energy to work. To making butter. Yeah. <sighs> and then eating butter. Yes. Would have been great. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all, y- y'all try it with your kids, and and I don't know if there's like adorable photographs of the process that you want to send us. That would be. I love other people's kids. <laughs> yes, 
That would be great. And you can send those mm-hmm. to our email, which is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. Uh, we also have a social media presence, weird. Strange. Uh, we're, we're on Facebook and Twitter at foodstuffhsw, and we're also on Instagram at foodstuff. We hope to hear from you, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.